Lecture topic. Developing the greatness of Allah in the heart. عباده الذين اصطفات والسلام على عباده أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنما يخشى الله من عباده العلماء صدق الله العظيم Most respected students of Deen, mothers and sisters As discussed last week, that those of you who have opted to come to an institution where deen is the primary focus, so you know what you have come for, and that we have come to learn deen, we have come to learn how to become good Muslims, Muslimas, they have learned how to be true and obedient servants of Allah Ta'ala and true and obedient ummatis of Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So that is what we have come to learn. And as far as the other aspects are concerned, that is on the level of necessity, on a very secondary level, it is not the primary purpose of our coming. In any case, to take it further from here, the point that was discussed is that we have come to learn deen and learn to become the true and obedient servants of Allah Ta'ala. So now, this obedience of Allah Ta'ala, completely submitting ourselves, becoming the true slaves and servants of our Rabb, this requires that our heart must be filled with the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, with the greatness of Allah Ta'ala. That is the very important aspect. Obedience is in accordance to the extent of greatness. This is a standard thing. A person will show obedience to the extent that he has greatness of that of where that command is coming from. Now just to understand it by way of an example, just on our level, obviously Allah Ta'ala is beyond any resemblance, Allah Ta'ala is beyond any comparison. But just for our understanding and our, uh, for us to get a clear picture of what is being said, if somebody has to tell us to do something, for example, a simple thing, they told us something is kept in a certain place, please go and bring it. So now it's a very simple thing. It's kept in the next room, not that we have to go on top of a mountain somewhere to fetch it. It's in the room next door. And we are being told, please go and fetch it for me. Now we might have sometimes been told something like this by maybe our younger sibling. So we just ignored it. Why we ignored it? Why must I go and fetch something for you? You can do it yourself. That's not the attitude that we should have. But that's how we unfortunately react sometimes. That who are you to tell me? Now that's a separate matter and a separate subject that that reaction stems from pride sometimes. Who are you to tell me? Why must I go and do your things? So if we felt ourselves as nobody 
we were truly humble, we felt that we are the lowest of everyone, so it wouldn't have mattered to us if our younger sibling asked us to do it, if somebody who we had no real, uh, somebody who was our equal, so to say, one of our classmates asked us, please go to the next class and bring this for me, or I forgot this somewhere outside, please go pick it up for me. Whether we have such a close uh, friendship with the person or not, it won't matter. If we can do it, we'll do it. When? When provided there is true humility in the heart. We truly feel we are nobody, we are nothing. And we don't feel like we are somebody. I should be given that respect. I should be given that special recognition, that honor. And if somebody doesn't give me that respect, then I will put them in their place. I'll show them who I am. We think that we are showing who we are as if we are somebody. Actually, what we are showing is that we are proud. What we are showing is that we have arrogance. We are showing that we think we are somebody great, which are all bad things to think about ourselves. We are showing that we have pride in our hearts, which is a terrible sin, a very, very dangerous disease, worse than the worst cancer. So when a person reacts in this manner, that is out of pride, one is a person can't do it because of whatever reason, can't do it in the sense that now somebody is too tired now, so they will excuse themselves nicely, mm, I should have done it for you, but maaf, you know, I'm so tired now, I'm feeling a bit difficult to wake up and go and fetch it, uh, please can you do it now, I'll do it another time for you, now that's also a response, and the first response was, why should I do it? Now, there's a world of difference between the two, Oh, somebody is busy now with something, they say, okay, just please let me finish this, I'm just busy right now, I'll, as soon as I'm done with this, I'll go and fetch it for you. So that too is a response. Even if in that sense, the person wanted it more quickly, more urgently, they might go and do it themselves, but that response will create mahabba, that response will create mutual love, good feeling, happiness, that though you were perhaps the elder sibling, but you still responded in a positive way, that you're ready to do it, it's just that you're busy right now. Now that's a separate subject on its own, that we should always be humble, we should humble ourselves. Allah Ta'ala loves those who humble themselves. And one of the ways of humbling ourselves, is to force ourselves to do these kind of things, which we don't feel good to do. Why we don't feel good to do it? Our pride is blocking us. So now we force ourselves. Our younger sibling asked us to do something. Say very well. Our heart is not too inclined. We're feeling a bit uh, reserved or, or something holding us back. That now look at this younger brother of mine. He's half my age and he's telling me I must go and do this. My younger sister is telling me go and do this. Or the sister is just one year bigger than me and she's telling me go and do this. Why should I listen to her? So now... At that time, though that feeling is there, that feeling has stemmed out of pride. As I said, sometimes there's a genuine reason, but otherwise, just to because, who are you? Why should I do it for you? That's pride. So now, in such instances, we should be pushing ourselves. 
subduing and suppressing that feeling and doing what we don't feel so comfortable doing meaning to go and fetch that item to go and make some khidmat which we don't feel like doing it for the person but by forcing ourselves it will now chop off a block of that pride it's still a huge mountain maybe inside there but this will chop one block off and the second time around we did the same it will chop another block off and ten times then it will start weakening this whole big huge block of pride that is in there and gradually as now you start chopping something more and more it starts flaking off even more easily bigger chunks start coming out so now when a person continues in this way gradually that reservation in the heart from being helpful from doing things spontaneously that reservation goes away that blockage, that barrier it goes away and then a person starts very easily and spontaneously happily, willingly doing khidmat for others obviously things which are within the limits and this starts becoming like a person's first nature like when a person is hungry person doesn't need to be told you should eat something person is thirsty you don't need to be told you should drink some water it's the first nature of a person thirsty I want some water you don't it, natural a person just goes towards the water so likewise when pride comes out of the heart these kind of things become natural it will be offered can I do something for you it can be anybody somebody younger than us somebody we think is our junior we are the most junior but somebody who appears to be our junior but will be more than ready to help out to do things and do it wholeheartedly and feel good about helping others feel that they have done us a favor to give us an opportunity to do something for them then we won't think about ourselves as I am the senior or I am the elder or I am the better nothing rather we'll think ourselves as the nobody and others are all somebody so that's nevertheless a lesson on the side in terms of always humbling ourselves now coming back to what we were speaking about initially that obedience is dependent on the extent of greatness in the heart so now generally what happens in this case that that younger person asked us to do something we just dismissed it why because there's no greatness of that person in the heart who's this person nobody but then somebody who's elder than us but the elder person might be some maybe one of our siblings our elder brother our elder sister but there's like a 10 year gap now so now that person is like a mother figure to us we are only 10 years old and she's 20 years old we 10 years old and the brother is 20 years old so now we feel a sense of there's some greatness now this person is 10 years elder than me so now even if I'm not feeling like doing it but I should do it why because this is now my senior person then for example the same thing was requested by our parents our mother asked us to do it father asked us to do it or now in madrasa the muallima asked us to do it so now we'll immediately spring into action immediately we'll go and do it when and why because there's some greatness in the heart that this is now our father our mother our muallima so the the request was one and the same. There was no difference in the request, but the responses were different.
the responses were based on the extent of greatness. And Allah forbid somebody loses the greatness of parents in their heart also, they'll react in the same way. That now you keep telling me to do this and that now. Tell somebody else. That will be the kind of response. Not that because a person doesn't respect the parents, but it has doomed. Something else has come and now covered it. Like that diamond is there, but now it's covered in mud and dust. So now all the mud of the social media and the mud and muck of all the things that we get exposed to and the influences out there in the world and now that makes us feel no, we should have our own life. We are an independent person and must stand up and speak our mind. These are all western ideologies which don't fit in with the teachings of deen. Deen we have been taught not to get influenced by the wrong but not to be disrespectful, to be humble, to be submissive. If somebody is telling us something wrong, then obviously we won't accept the wrong. But we'll still not be disrespectful. And we will, wherever is something within the limits of deen, we will be submissive to our elders. That independent attitude, that is not the way deen has taught us. So now the point was again, it is greatness that will dictate obedience. And now if there is somebody out somewhere and the police has now suddenly stopped them, told them you stop right here. So now they feel they got no choice but to stop right there. Why? This person has authority. There is a greatness of that authority in the heart. That if I don't obey this, I could get myself into serious trouble. He might charge me, might find me, might arrest me. Allah knows best what will happen thereafter. So there is a greatness of not maybe him as a person, but of the authority that he has. That this person wields this authority, what he might end up using it, how he might put me into difficulty. So that authority, the greatness of the authority makes us obey him. So now when all these things happen around in dunya based on greatness, the question is now, what extent of greatness have we developed in our hearts of Allah Ta'ala, of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, what greatness of deen and sharia is in our hearts? Now this is a crucial question. And the answer, the answer our actions will give. The answer our words will give. The answer our thoughts will give. The answer how we conduct ourselves in privacy, that will give the answer. The answer, it will come about how we deal with people in fulfilling their rights, not harming anybody, not trying to undermine somebody, not trying to cause problems for someone, unnecessarily put the person into some difficulty. We will, what we, what kind of aspirations we have in our heart, that will give the answer. And how we conduct ourselves in anything and everything in life, that will give the answer. A person now is alone, the temptations are there to do what not, Allah is watching. The greatness of Allah Ta'ala is in the heart now. Allah is aware, Allah's greatness is in the heart. So now the person is conscious. The person is now refraining from sin, because Allah Ta'ala is aware. Now that greatness of Allah Ta'ala is the barrier from the haram. Person is dealing with somebody, 
but dealing correctly, dealing with the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, that I can fool this person, I can deceive this person, I can do some other things, but I can't deceive Allah Ta'ala. I cannot deceive Allah Ta'ala in any way, I will be deceiving myself only. So now, as a result, the person deals correctly with others. It doesn't harm anybody. Why? Because Allah is watching, Allah is aware. Now that great, that is the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in the heart. There are evil thoughts that are now flooding the mind. Now this is the waswasa of shaitan. So one is now to run with it, to entertain it, to now take that thought further. And the other is to immediately reprimand oneself, within oneself. You have no shame. How can you now think in this manner? Now though the initial thought was involuntary, the initial thought was a whisper from shaitan, was shaitan injecting his injection of poison, but the reaction, though that initial thing was not in his control, but is reacting in a way as if he is responsible, as if. So he won't be taken to task for it's involuntary. But in order as a treatment and as a way to clear the heart, he's now reprimanding himself strongly. That don't you have any shame? How can you think in this way? And you are supposed to be having the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala in your heart. You got Allah Ta'ala's kalam in your heart. You are doing hivs or you are learning the Quran Sharif. You learn so many hadith Sharif. And this is in your heart. And now you also want to entertain all this evil in the heart. How can you be so shameless? Starts reprimanding oneself. Now this reprimand of oneself, what is prompting this? Why is the person not running with the thoughts? Why is the person now not just entertaining the thought and getting deeper into it deliberately? It is the greatness of Allah Ta'ala that's in the heart that is becoming a barrier from running with this evil thought. So now in all these circumstances, what is going to be the most important thing? That the extent of the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in the heart. That is going to be the barrier. Now when we come to Madrasa, all the things that we learn, is eventually it comes down to this one main aspect. We're learning the Qur'an Sharif, we're learning the Hadith Sharif, we're learning Fiqh, we're learning Masail, we're learning Mu'amalat and Mu'asharat, we're learning Adab, we're learning so many different subjects. But eventually and essentially, it all comes down to one point, and that is to develop the greatness of Allah Ta'ala in our hearts, so that when the greatness of Allah Ta'ala is there, then what we learn from the Qur'an Sharif will practice on. What we learn from the Hadith Sharif will practice on. What Masail we learned will adhere to that. What Mu'amalat and Mu'asharat we learned will obey that, will live up to that. The akhlaq that we heard about, that we learned about, that will become part of our life. When all this will happen? When the greatness of Allah Ta'ala has come into our hearts. And otherwise, Allah Ta'ala forbid, if the greatness of Allah Ta'ala is not in our hearts, that khashiyat and the fear of Allah is not there, the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala is not there, then we will learn and we will disobey. The Bani Israel said, Sami'na wa asayna. We heard, but we'll do our own thing. 
We heard, we heard a lot. We learned a lot. We learned volumes. We scored 100% in the exams, but we'll do the total opposite. The person, Allah forbid, will learn, will learn, for example, that Sibabul Muslimi Fusuk, that to swear at a Muslim is a sin. Now they will read the hadith, they will translate it, they will explain it, and then the subject was over, they left the class, and they saw somebody. And Allah forbid sometimes it will happen inside the class. So we learned and disobeyed. Why? Because the greatness of Allah Ta'ala is missing. Now somebody on the road, now many times you might have noticed, if there's load shedding, and uh, now some people try to be helpful, or maybe they're doing it for somebody who might give them some handout, so they stand at the robots, at the intersections. Now the robots are not working because of load shedding, so it becomes very, very chaotic. Everybody is trying to, oh, if it's happening orderly, but then it becomes very big queues on either every side because the traffic is not flowing smoothly. So now you get some people now trying to be helpful, but they're not police officers. So some people, because they are being helpful, so they follow the now so-called instruction. But every now and again you'll see somebody is not bothered. That person is saying, now hold on, and that car is moving. And it can become dangerous also. But now if a police officer was standing there, that person won't take a chance. He'll obey that. What's the difference? Who is this person to tell me stop? I'll stop if I want to stop. If I don't want to stop, I'll go. Who's he? So now there's no uh, concern about the person because he has no greatness of that person at all. This person is no authority. What authority he has? So therefore, the disobedience of that person's instruction is nothing. Doesn't mean anything. If I don't stop for this person, so what? So this becomes the situation that when the greatness of Allah Ta'ala is not in the heart, then the disobedience becomes very, very, very easy. There's no hesitation. There's no restriction. There's no barrier. And when the greatness of Allah Ta'ala is in the heart, now this becomes the biggest uh, barrier for a person from committing sin, from getting in going into wrong places, doing wrong things, speaking evil, deliberately entertaining evil thoughts, and all kinds of other things. So this is the primary thing that we have to bring into our hearts. Now we've come to acquire ilm. The first part of ilm is niya. So what is our intention for acquiring ilm? And the first niyat we have to make is, to do it solely for Allah Ta'ala and to bring it into our lives. To become practical. That must be the intention, a very conscious intention. That I am acquiring this ilm so that I practice upon it for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala alone. When the niyat is to practice, then inshallah the tawfiq to practice will also come. But if the niyat is to go through the motions because my parents just forced me to be here, the niyat is, well, I had no other option because the government schools, etc., the environment is very, very problematic. So now, well, I have to learn some English and maths. By the way, I have to learn all this too. So I came to learn English and maths and some few other subjects. And na'uzubillah, by the way, I learn the dini subjects. Then entire deen Allah forward will become a by the way thing for us. And then we'll do everything opposite to what we're learning. 
So therefore the most important and starting point is, most important aspect and the starting point is, niyat. That our niyat is to learn deen, to practice it, to make it part of our lives, and then to teach it to others as well. And all this solely for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So we must now make this conscious niyat. Now as we are sitting and listening, make this conscious niyat. And then refresh this niyat daily. Inshallah our Maulimas will also keep reminding us to refresh this niyat and this intention daily. And maybe every period, every subject also. That we refresh this intention. This is what I am learning for. I haven't come here to just go through the motions. To just learn something for the sake of learning it and that's where it gets left. For the sake of passing an examination. Or just as a filler. Meaning I've come here to learn some English and maths or whatever else. But now this is like a filler now, just on the side. Just to fill some time. So now we just have to go through it. That is going to deprive us of all the benefit and the blessings and everything. So this is the very, very important aspect that we settle this deep down in our hearts that what we have come for. We have come to learn deen and we have come to learn deen so that we practice on that deen that we learn. We make our amal in accordance to it, our salah and all the other ibadat. Our akhlaq must come in line with what we are learning in terms of the akhlaq that Islam has presented, our mu'amalat, our mu'asharat, all aspects of life must come in accordance to this. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq, Allah ta'ala bless us with true ilm and true amal and with ikhlas and bless us with his raza and acceptance. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا غلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعسيان واجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله